Hello and welcome to episode 116 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing good, Mark. Uh, pretty good weekend, I guess, at the TROP overall with results. A little frustrating still, but they got the two W's, so I think that's all that matters. Yeah, Blue Jays, this week, since we last recorded, they took two of one of two from the Red Sox. They split that short two-game series, and then they take two of three from the Rays, finishing it off today with a 1-0 win. Jacob, how are you? Considering the Blue Jays are winning right now, I'm happy, but I can't lie, I'm a little nervous about what I saw in today's game, and... It was a win, a win's a win, but there was a lot to that game, and that had that hard, had my heart pounding for quite a long time today. Yeah, a really close game. It was 0-0 heading into the top of the fifth, of course. Before that, the big news, I guess the biggest news out of today's game is Hinjun Ryu. He was out after three and two-thirds innings with uh, what we now know is a mild right glute strain. Doesn't appear to be serious. Um, Ryu said he... Doesn't think he's going to have to miss a start. Montoyo said he doesn't think Ryu's going to have to miss a start. So it looks like the Blue Jays dodged a bullet there. They score the inning after he comes out in the fifth. The bullpen comes in, shuts things down after a little bit of rocky, um, a, a rocky start from Tim Meza. The rest of the bullpen, Ryan Baraki, Rafael Dolis, Tyler Chatwood, lots of great names coming out. Finishing it off for the Blue Jays. An exciting game. But let's start off today's podcast talking about Ryu. Because that is the biggest news. Thankfully, the Blue Jays seem to be avoiding what could have been disaster, right? When this all, when we first saw Ryu coming out of the game, I think we were all thinking, worst case scenario, like, this season could be over. If Ryu blows something, if he tears a muscle and he's out for three or four months, I hate even saying it, but if he is out for a long period of time, like... That's almost, you just have to pull the plug right there on the Blue Jays season. So, seems like the Blue Jays dodged a bullet in today's game. I'm going to say this right now. If Hanjin Ryu is to miss an extended period of time, the Blue Jays are not making the playoffs. It's early, but he's their ace. He's the guy that they expect to be consistent every single day. And he has been. Like, let's be honest. He's been their ace for the past two seasons. And I mentioned a couple seconds ago, that was what had my heart pounding. I was... I'm a little overdramatic. I was almost tearing up because this cannot happen to the Blue Jays. You cannot lose so many pieces of your rotation and then lose your absolute ace. That is, And not even just ace as in best pitcher on your staff. He's one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. So the Blue Jays cannot lose him no matter what. Thankfully, it looks like this might just be a minor thing. Uh, the good thing about Ryu is he's very calm and collected on the mound. And you saw him immediately. He felt something. He signaled to the to the dugout. Danny Jansen said, hey, something's not right. He knew exactly he needed to get out. And it looks like it might just be he pulled something. He's a little dis, uh, in a little bit of discomfort and he's out for maybe a week. And a week isn't even that bad for the Blue Jays because they have two off days this week on uh, Monday and Thursday. So realistically, even if he misses seven full days of real time, that's only maybe one start at best or not even a full start. So Best case scenario, I think, for the Blue Jays coming out of uh, out of Tampa Bay right now. I think, had this have been bad or had this have been worse, th- that would have been detrimental to this team. And one thing I also mentioned, or want to mention, I'm not sure if you guys saw it, but I believe it was Hazel May. Somebody retweeted a video of Ryu's uh, pregame workout, and he was on the mound in uh, at the Trop. He threw a pitch, but he, he kind of stopped halfway through. He... He lifted his uh, his right leg up, didn't look too comfortable. He he stopped midway through and kind of jumped around a little bit and 
I think this was something that he's been feeling at least for the entire day. Thankfully, as I said, he knows his body. He knows that he needed to, to take, a, take a bit of a break, and it didn't cost the Blue Jays. They won today. Looks like they might have uh, also won in the long run with, with Ryu and their ace. Yeah, and they call the Trop the House of Horrors for a reason for the Jays, and it just seems like nothing can go right. Per- like, nothing, anything can never go right, like, at all, like, in terms of anything. So I know this weekend they did w- win two out of three. The offense did struggle. Uh, today was another case in point, but luckily the bullpen, uh, after the Ryu injury, came in and pretty much saved them. They, they did. They went five and two-thirds of scoreless baseball the rest of the way out. And then going back to Ryu, uh, yeah, it, it's not good. It's it's not much of a hot take to write off the season if he gets hurt. Uh, I think it's realistic, and I think it is true. And the one thing when you look at it right now as well is there's only a three-man rotation right now. They have Robbie Ray, they have Steven Matz, and they have Hunjin Ryu. So that if that ever goes, if you know, if Ryu does go on the injured list, I just don't, I don't, I don't know what happens from there. Then you have two people technically in your rotation. But uh, you know, these off days coming ahead for the Jays this week, Jacob, you mentioned they have two of them this week. Um, it's 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 a good part in the schedule for this to happen. And you do hope that Hunjin Ryu is good for his next scheduled start. I know he came out after the game and said that he's going to prepare as per usual. But of course. Um, you know, you got to wait for the tests to go through. And I believe the Jays are going to be doing or running a series of tests uh, tomorrow on the Monday. So I think we're going to go, we're going to know more tomorrow and have more of a clear understanding of what's going to happen. But either, either way, it seems that Ryu's optimistic that he won't require an IL stint if he's pushed back a few days. Uh, Mark, we were talking about this before we even started recording. I, I think that's also um, a good, I guess, you know, avoiding a, a conflict. And I think that that'll be fine. That could be, you know, one of the, worst case scenarios and that's not even a bad case so that that is that is good to hear uh for Ryu and the one thing too Jacob is um you know you're mentioning his pregame routine or whatnot and you know it actually found today as well after uh Ryu left the game is that this isn't the first time he's left the game due to a glute uh injury I believe and one of his starts previously when he was with the Dodgers the same thing happened to him so something that he's kind of dealt with before I think it was 2014 and 2017 he's had similar injuries I think he landed on the injured list both times, but this time seems to be less severe. Exactly. And the best part he did was pulling himself out of the game and not making anything worse. So I do give him credit for that. And of course, at the time, a little bit of a scare because it kind of happened all so fast. Everyone just went to the mound. And at first, it's it seemed like a mound visit. And then I think Dan and uh, Buck picked up on it very quick. And then the bullpen, all of a sudden, everyone's doing stretches. So it wasn't a very, it was a very fast sequence. But uh, for Ryu, you know what? He's been, obviously him and Matt's have been their top two pitchers this year. And they continue to be. And without Ryu, it's just, it's a massive question mark. We know the potential injuries that Ryu can bring. We know that he has a hard time staying healthy, usually based off of his career numbers in terms of a full six, uh, 162 game season staying healthy. So in that case, um, you know, the, it's just they dodged, the, it, it's safe to say they dodged the bullet today. And I'm glad that uh, he will be okay, but crucial for him to stay in that rotation right now for sure. Because other than him, it's been Steven Matz who's also been lining it up and you don't know how long that could be sustainable for. Thankfully, I'm just checking Twitter and Shai Davidi, Scott Mitchell, uh, apparently they just, uh, Charlie Montoyo just finished his post-game press conference. He's saying he's optimistic and and that Ryu looks okay. Thankfully, as we've just said, it looks like the Blue Jays have dodged not even a bullet. Like, they just dodged a cannon. This could have been detrimental to their season. So, thankfully, we can at least begin this podcast on a a high note, even though we were kind of panicking just a couple of minutes ago. Yeah. Could have potentially been game over for the Blue Jays this season. 
And you're right, Bryson, that it didn't really look like anything when it happened. I think Ryu kind of just handled it nonchalantly. Like he just kind of squatted. He knew something wasn't right, called the trainer in. He didn't look upset or hurt or anything. There wasn't kind of that aha moment where he threw a pitch and something was off. He just kind of walked off the field, you know, the same old steady Ryu as always. And I think that's probably encouraging for Blue Jay fans that it wasn't a kind of moment where you know he strained something or you know he tore something. So thankfully that didn't happen. To some extent, I think this is par for the course with Ryu. Like even if he is hitting the 10-day IL, which appears to be not the case, um, we know that he isn't someone who's normally healthy the entire time. We got lucky last season, of course, only 12 games for him, 12 starts that he was healthy the entire season. But you go back to 2019, yeah, full season, but 2018, only 15 starts, 2017, 24 starts, so he was pretty healthy, but 2016, one start, missed all of 2015, 2014, 26 starts. So he's never been someone who's always healthy, and we knew as he gets older, as he's entering his age 34 season, he's going to be struggling with injuries injuries a little bit. So it was kind of expected. It's kind of something that people should be keeping in the back of their mind, but thankfully it doesn't seem like this is all too serious. doesn't seem like he's going to be missing significant time. So Good news there for the Blue Jays. Um, looking at some of the other games this week, some of the other performances I just want to touch on before we jump into the bulk of our conversation. Robbie Ray, it was nice to see him come out and bounce back after his rough start that we talked about last podcast. Walked six against the Royals, had the bases loaded twice, pitched five innings, somehow didn't give up a run, but then this time against the Rays in yesterday's game on Saturday, he pitched six innings. He gave up three runs. But to me, that doesn't really matter. That's just kind of luck at that point. He didn't walk a single batter. He struck out nine. That's the important stat for me. I was very encouraged from what we saw from him yesterday, especially considering we know he has to handle his command. We know that's the number one most important thing for him this season. Seems to have gotten it under control, shook off the rust from his last outing. I was really happy to see that. Yeah, and I mean, the Rays are not even a bad team. So, I mean, one home run uh, allowed all three of the... Or- caused all three of the runs so I'm not too worried about that I'm more concerned about the the uh the ins and outs of his start nine strikeouts as you said zero walks in six innings so I would consider that not only a success but I would consider that extremely well or an extremely good performance because you know even if you want to say three innings or three earned runs over six innings that's still a that's still a respectable number so with Robbie Ray I think we we got what we had hoped to see and I remember we were all kind of panicking saying you know what's going to happen with Robbie Ray is he going to I don't know, is this going to be a bit of a, a a thing that goes throughout the entire season? You know, we saw what happened last season. We were kind of not expecting that after spring training and how he was really starting to, to lower those walk numbers. But yeah, I think it was a success. I wouldn't say that I'm overly concerned about Robbie Ray. Now, especially with, I think, the scares of the rotation, he's going to have to step it up even more. But yeah, the, the, the guys that we've expected to get it done so far, at least on the pitching side of things, are getting it done. Absolutely, they are. And uh, for Robbie Ray, you know, coming off one of the most bizarre pitching lines, I guess the week the week before in Kansas City, where that was just one of the most bizarre pitching lines I think I've seen for someone who didn't allow any runs or barely any runs. And then, you know, he comes back a few days ago and he strikes out. It was nine, like you said, Mark, with zero walks. And yeah, it was just that one three run home run he gave up, but definitely optimistic to see from Robbie Ray. And yeah, regardless, 
you know, you have to, he has to step up because we know we've we've already discussed the uncertainty of Steven Matz keeping this performance up. It's obviously a bonus if he does, but if he doesn't, Robbie Ray needs to be there just in case because you have Ryu um, and you hope he stays healthy and, you know, he's going to obviously lead the way. But Robbie Ray, somebody that you've had to be depending on since the start of the offseason and uh, entering this year as well. So it's good for Robbie Ray, you know, so far. I guess if you want to include his starts where he has walked a bunch and then his recent start where he hasn't, I guess there's still some inconsistency there. But uh, it's something that's obviously ongoing. And throughout a full season, you know, you can only hope and can only, I guess, have faith that it can sustain like his his walk ratio can uh, it can lower. So that's the one thing when you look at it. And that's definitely one of the highlights. I have a bunch of other highlights here, but. Uh, Mark, like you said, we'll be getting into the bulk of it shortly, so I'll save that for that. But yeah, either way for Robbie Ray, um, very impressed uh, so far. And, uh, you know, he's going to have another test this week when he starts. Uh, it's going to be a tough week. You have the Nationals for two games, and then you have Atlanta uh, for a three-game weekend series um, next Friday. Or sorry, yeah, next Friday coming up. And uh, we'll see what happens from that. But Robbie Ray, uh, definitely a bounce-back start and definitely kind of a sigh of relief almost just to see him kind of revert back to what we hope or what we've been expecting him to, which is walking less and striking out more. Mm-hmm. Well, why don't we jump into some of the standout names from this week besides them before we get to, I mean, everyone can probably guess what we're going to talk about, but some of the defensive problems with the Blue Jays. Um, one name that stood out to me is Randall Grishik. He had a good week. He had uh, home runs in back-to-back games, I believe. He had the three-run home run in the first inning of Saturday's game, I think it was. So that was one guy I was really happy with how he did this week. Um, Who are some other people that maybe stood out to either of you guys as good performances this week? Uh, So for me, I actually had a few people that have taken uh, a lot of, a few people that have caught my eye. And remember too, this is the first time we've recorded since the lineup change. We know that Marcus Semien was struggling at the leadoff spot, and now we have Kevin Biggio and him kind of swapping places. Marcus Semien hitting in the middle of the order now, 5-6. And, um, you know, we were talking about it. He already seems more comfortable about it. And right away, for the last seven days, Marcus Semien has been a lot better. And I know his numbers are still down overall, but the last seven days, the 929 OPS and three RBIs. So that's definitely good. Other names, I have Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's continuing to hit well. Randall Gritchick as well, still playing for that playing time and still earning that playing time for the return of George Springer and Teoscar Hernandez, which seems to be days away. So good on uh, Randall Gritchick for doing that. You got to ride the hot hand and I'm not saying it's sustainable, but right now he deserves to be in that lineup, especially when those two are back. Uh, Bo Bichette, you know, not the best week for him overall. Uh, you know, hitting, he seemed okay, still kind of average. And then of course, defense we're going to be getting into in a little bit. And as well with Kevin Biggio, overall still not quite himself. I know he is walking, and that's the one thing to take away from it. Uh, in the last seven days, second on the team in walks uh, was seven. So, you know, ever since moving to the laid-off spot, he does seem a little bit more comfortable. Other than walking, though, still not quite the Kevin Bijou that we know of, but that's a start. And like I was mentioning with Bo Bichette, nine strikeouts this week as well. That's something that uh, just overall, not a good week for Bo Bichette, but we're going to be talking about that again. But nine strikeouts, definitely something that you don't want to see every day. And it's just for someone like Bo Bichette, who's supposed to be a hitting machine. It's just, it's not who he is. And then other guys I have as well, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. continues to struggle. And it seems, you know, with Grano Gritcha continuing to hit well, it seems it's going to be between Lourdes Gurriel or Rowdy Telez, who's going to be fighting for playing time when Springer and Hernandez are back as we expecting them to. So that's going to be interesting to see there, but Gurriel continues to be slow off the start. Uh, Danny Jansen, 
this week, zero hits. And, you know, it's just, it is a bit concerning now. An overall average of 049. And this week, yeah, I, zero. I don't think he's so, had a hit since April no. 7th, I think it was. One for three it's, with a double a that concern. day. And nothing since yeah. then. It's con- it's a concern for me. But on the other side, Alejandro Kirk is beginning to hit as well. An average of 286 the past seven days. Something that you might want to keep an eye on. You know, if he keeps heating up like he is, he's going to definitely be seeing a lot more playing time. And uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. continues to, like I was mentioning off the top, hitting well. Still leads the team in walks, and that's something that I was uh, very impressed with. But overall, you know, the team itself, uh, it's it's just... It, the run scoring production is still not there, what we're seeing. And really, 28th in the entire league with runners in scoring position. And that's only worse than the Cleveland baseball team and the New York Mets. So something that's got to be fixed. But they're the bottom or the third worst team in terms of runners in scoring position. And then overall, offensively, uh, the team is 24th overall in offense. And, the, you know, this week as well was the bottom 20s alone. Something that you didn't predict really off the top. We saw the pitching that was supposed to be the the weakness. Right now, it's the it's the hitting and the pitching has been the bright spots. And the, the, when I look at the pitching as well, overall, uh, the bullpen's been outstanding this week alone. Ryan Barucki, Anthony Castro, Tyler Chatwood, Tim Mesa, Joel Payamps, David Phelps, Trent Thornton, all ERAs of zero. Impressive this week from all of them. And overall, in, in terms of the entire league, they're second in the entire league in um, relievers ERA and reliever stats. Jacob, you mentioned it last week, and it's continuing to stay that way. They're only worse than the New York Yankees. And like I said, the entire league, second overall. Pitching, it's kind of been the same. Uh, Steven Matz and Hunjin Ryu, we just discussed. But overall, those are my notes this week. And, um, you know, we're still kind of itching our way back to healthy or being healthy. Jordan Romano, somebody who didn't look too comfortable this week. I know he's back. You know, a lot of people questioning if he should have even been in the game on Saturday to begin with in terms of a high leverage situation. And he just didn't look himself. I hope they can ease his way back in, and I'm sure he will be fine. But either way, his velocity as well was dropping. Uh, it was in 95, 94, something that you usually don't see from Romano. Usually it's a, the high 90s, so you you know that's got to be corrected as well. Rafael Dolis, two saves this week. And he's taken over as the team's closer for now until we see the return of Julian Merriweather. But overall, um, you're hoping Ryu's okay like we we discussed. But those are uh, pretty much sums it up this week offensively and um, for the pitching wise for the Jays. Yeah, I think, sadly, a lot of the standout names are standing out for the wrong reason. Uh, the Blue Jays were not very good offensively this, this week. I will say, though, I did like Randall Gritchick and Marcus Simeon in, in the in the last two games against the Rays. Both of them hit uh, three-run shots in the first innings. Unfortunately, they lost uh, on Saturday, one on uh, Friday. So, I mean, the majority of the off- offense has been very weak, uh, although those two have been doing well. Randall Gritchick, I think, is somebody that we need to discuss because I don't think you take him out if if uh, the savior, George Springer, comes back in a couple of days. I, I don't think you can. He's Not only has he been been good objectively speaking but just like when you compare him to the other guys on the roster there's just there's nowhere else or, or there's nowhere you can't put him on the bench and have somebody else play uh i, I will say on the positives defense was god awful this season or th- this week but i've noticed lourdes Gurriel jr is getting a little bit better uh with his routes i saw him make a good throw in i believe it was friday's game or saturday's game where he threw out he threw out diaz so he's He's had some good plays. He he's throwing some guys out. His arms getting back to a back to what it was. Uh, Danny Jansen, like Bryson said and Mark said, you know he's just he's not he's not doing well. 
yeah, I've been noticing. I'm thinking, you know, every day his average keeps going down. And I'm thinking, when was the last time he got a hit? And yeah, I had to Google it. It was August or April the 7th against the Texas Rangers. And it's just, it's been struggling ever since then. So not a good week. I don't think for the Blue Jays offensively, pitching has been odd. It's It's been, it's odd to me how good it's been, especially considering everything that's going on. Looks like they're getting some reinforcements, obviously with Romano and Chatwood back starting to take shape again so I'm I, I'm it's a positive but I'm also kind of eager to see what it's able to do going into uh, next week and into the month of May which they actually have a pretty good schedule a pretty tough schedule I should say but yeah for the most part like this this off season or this week was just kind of a meh week some guys were okay there were some bright spots there were a lot of things that were that have not been good previously and they're just carrying over but yeah, most this this week was I think just a lot of mediocre performance, uh, kind of, uh, kind of flossed over by some good some better performances. And even Vladimir Guerrero Jr. he's starting to cool off a bit, and he's o for his last nine or ten or something like that. So, not the best week for the Blue Jays, but it's it's kind of it's it's been getting a little bit better in terms of overall performances for the team. Yeah, they're kind of getting by by like the skin of their teeth right now. They are winning games. We are seeing flashes of brilliance on the offensive side of things. But it's not like the offense hasn't come to life yet. It's just flashes of life. I'm hoping, you know, George Springer, Teoscar Hernandez, hopefully we see them both on the lineup Tuesday. That'd be best case scenario. Things start clicking. You have guys that the Blue Jays have previously been relying on moving farther down the lineup, whether it's Guriel, whether it's Grishik. Maybe that gives him more of a chance, although Grishik, of course, is hitting the wall right now. But hopefully that kind of breathes new life into the lineup that's, again, we have little bits and pieces here and there, but it just hasn't really clicked yet. Um, the pitching, yes, fantastic. Um, going into today's game, the Blue Jays had a team ERA of 3.2, which was the fourth best in the majors and number one in the American League. And that's the lowest ERA through the first 20 games um, of any season in Blue Jays history. So the Blue Jays are historically good for, you know, in franchise history so far this season. Um, whereas offensively, defensively, we're not seeing the same type of success. Um, the lineup change, I like it. it. It worked well. I think we talked about it on a live stream partway through the week that the Blue Jays needed to change something. And look, they did. They moved... Kevin Biggio up to the number one spot, moved Marcus Simeon down to, I think it was six that he was hitting at, and it worked. I mean, Biggio got on. He seems to, you know, be comfortable in the leadoff position, and that seems to be working for him. So by all means, keep him there. I wasn't a huge fan of the move in the first place because Biggio wasn't doing well in his own right. He was only a little bit better than Marcus Simeon. I think he was batting something like 171, while Simeon was like 160-something. So they were pretty comparable offensively so I didn't read too much into the change I just thought you know you have to try something you have to change something up but he's doing well he had a couple hits I think it was yesterday a couple walks uh, over the weekend so you got to be happy with what he's doing um, okay let's get to the big conversation of the defense because this was something that every single person was talking about over the weekend and through the week and rightfully so because the left side of the infield whether it's Kevin Biggio, whether it's Bo Bichette, whether it's even Joe Panic there. At one point, Marcus Simeon made an error. We've seen so many mistakes on the left side of the infield in terms of throwing errors, in terms of fielding errors. It's kind of getting ridiculous at this point. Um, 
what should the Blue Jays do about this? Like, what do they do to solve this problem? Some problems, like the lineup, you know, it's easy. You you just try to, you change things up. You try to find a solution. If it doesn't work, whatever. But when it comes to positions, like these are long-term decisions that have to be made. If you say, okay, Bo Bichette is not comfortable at shortstop. A lot of people saying he was never really meant to be a shortstop. Okay, if you're making the decision to move him to second, that's a permanent decision. That's not something you do for a couple of games, see how it works out, move him back to short. That's a permanent decision. Um, same thing with Kevin Biggio. If he's not looking comfortable at third base, you move him to right field. Less of a permanent decision, but it is kind of a, you know, a, the approach that the Blue Jays are taking. They have to be firm in their decisions about what they're making. These are tough decisions for the Blue Jays to make. But at the same time, something has to be done. They are going into today's game. They were second in MLB in terms of uh, infield errors. They had 15 going into today's game. Again, a horrible mark. Something has to be done. The question is, what do you do? Um, where do you guys stand on the issue of maybe moving Bichette to second and moving Simeon to short? Where do you guys stand on what you do with Kevin Biggio? What's the issue with ga- these guys? How do you solve it? I think, uh, first of all, I'll talk about Bichette. I think you move him over to second base. I, I, I think a guy like Marcus Simeon, he's played, actually, I had to look this up. He's played over 6,700 innings at shortstop in uh, over his career, and he has a 96.9 save, uh, not save percentage, uh, fielding percentage. So he's been good at, at shortstop. I say move him. That's clearly where he's the most comfortable, and it gives Bichette a bit of a change of scenery. Obviously, today he was actually DHing on Sunday, so... Maybe that was a bit of a wake-up call to him to say, hey, first of all, your defense needs to get better. But second of all, we got reinforcements that are taking over the DH spot in a couple days. And if you're not playing well, you're a big name, but you got to be playing well to be able to get into lineup every day. So, yeah, so I think, you know, just move Bichette to second, move Simeon to short. I, that's probably the best option. And there's, you know, why not? That I, I don't think, think that that's a bad option for the Blue Jays. As for Kevin Biggio, I'm going to go out and say that maybe he isn't as versatile as the Blue Jays want him to be. Obviously, he's not bad at uh, in the outfield. He's not bad in the infield or up the middle in the infield. But he and Bichette have not been very good at third and short. So I think the thing with Biggio, and I said this to you guys, I have a theory as to what the problem with Kevin Biggio is. I'm going to say it. What I noticed in Boston, Kevin Biggio made a there was one game where one uh, the second game where one of the plays was not scored an error one of them was scored an error he had two misplays what i noticed on both of those is that he was on the run during those plays he he didn't uh he he, he didn't plant his feet i guess is the best way to put it because the, the thing that i noticed after that there was a play to end the game or to end that inning where Kevin Biggio got the ball planted both of his feet threw from beyond third base all the way over to first and it was a perfect throw so I think what I'm noticed noticing from Kevin Biggio is he might be trying to get ahead of himself too quickly and saying you know okay I got the ball I gotta throw the guy out right away and I just don't think that's the case I think that Biggio needs to be able to plant his feet better you know you look at a guy like Troy Tulowitzki who pretty much lived off of catching the ball not even really stopping stopping himself he would throw like midair and he would still make a perfect throw and I don't think that Kevin Biggio is able to do that I think what we're seeing is maybe a little bit of an over-anxious play. Again, he is sort of new to second base or to third base this season. I think the Blue Jays want to keep him there just considering, you know, I don't think that they're moving Simeon to third and then Biggio maybe to second or something like that. But I think the thing with Biggio is that he is just maybe a little bit over-anxious. I'm thinking the best option is 
possibly just infield drills, maybe look at the tape, say, okay, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing wrong when you're making errors because he's not making errors every single game and he's not making airmail throws or throws that Guerrero has to bail him out on. It's just there's certain plays. And I think that is the biggest situation, you know, just... I don't think it's the it's not a clickbaity thing, but I think the best thing for the Blue Jays is to just put in the work because this this defense has been terrible at times and it needs to be worked on, especially with the off days. I, I think if you have off days, they were in St. Petersburg uh, to play the Rays about 45 minutes from Dunedin. You get there. I think the best option is to just work with your players and show them the video because that is really the only thing that they can do the way I see it. I'm going to throw some numbers at you guys in terms of errors for Bo Bichette. It is not even May. And he has six errors. Going back to his rookie season in 2019, he had seven errors in 42 games. He is going to, if this keeps up, it's it's going to be in double digits very fast. And when you look at last year in 26 games, only three errors. So it's there. The elite, or not even elite, just him being a regular, normal fielder with good numbers, with a good fielding percentage, it's there. And I'm not ready to give up on him yet at shortstop, which is why I disagree, and they should keep him at shortstop. I want them to work through this. I want them to go through any situation possible, any little resource possible, and get it all out of him, and don't give up on it. We're, we're, it's still April 25th. There's still months to go. Obviously, right now, the way it's going, for a competitive team, this can't sustain, and it has something has to change. But just moving them across the diamond and moving him to second base, it not I just think that... There's still a way to solve all this and fix all this by keeping it the way it is. And that's why I want Bo Bichette to stay at the shortstop. I believe the Jays envision him as a shortstop. He wants to play shortstop. And why take that away from him right now? If this continues into the summer, I think we can have a different conversation then. But since we're on April 25th and we're not even in May yet, I know the errors are there. And I told you guys pretty much he's on pace to well surpass his 2019 numbers. But this, there's still hope for me that he can fix this. You know, he's another one. When you look at it, he seems to be getting a little bit too anxious. You know, it's really, it's pretty much everything with Bo Bichette right now. I, you know, the footwork, it's it's just more him collecting the ball or absorbing the ball. He just seems to have trouble with that. And of course, the throws aren't always there as well. There's just, everything's all off right now. And it's something that I'm sure they're continually endlessly working at. It's not like they're not. So that's why I still have some sort of faith that he can sustain this. Marcus Semyon was brought over here as a second baseman. He should stay at second base. And the odd time when Bichette's not playing shortstop like today on the Sunday, then uh, I'm fine with that. And then for Kevin Bijou, it's simple as it is, is they don't have anybody else. They really don't. I know you have Santiago Espinal and Joe Panic, but really for a winning formula, I know they can go there the odd time, the spot start, but consistently, it's just, it's not enough for me. I, I In all due respect to both of them, I, I find Espinal very comparable, very relatable to Joe Panic, but just a younger, a younger version and for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., he would be the only other one. But I still think they're happy with him at first base. You know, I, I know, you know, do we get to the point some part during the season where we say, when's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. going to get an opportunity again? Perhaps. Right now, I don't see a change necessary for that as well. And for Kevin Biggio, I know, Jacob, you're talking about runs on, like r- throwing on the run and all that, I guess. Like, it, it's, it's, it all depends, right? I've never played third base, and I'm sure any fielder can say, there's just times where you can't always plant your feet, but either way, you know it doesn't. Pretty, it doesn't. It's unacceptable. Acceptable the way he's been throwing the ball as well. He's another one with six errors, and he was the one that injured his hand based off of a hopper to third base. Realistically, when you look at it, he is more comfortable in the outfield, but unfortunately for him, it's going to get very crowded within the next few days. And the only way that he's going to be able to stay in the lineup 
is if he stays at third base. So that's why right now I'm still have hope for this to change. Obviously, I'm not taking anything away from how much of a debacle it's been this month. It's been atrocious. It has been. It's been a complete nightmare. It's just every inning, especially on the game on Saturday, it just seemed every inning something something happened. It was just what the what's the error going to be this time? What's the error going to be that time? And the left side of the infield is obviously a major concern. But Bo Bichette, I'm willing to stick with him, stay at shortstop, and for Kevin Biggio, realistically, unless there's injuries or you're rotating people, there's no other room. There's no other. Uh, room for him in this lineup yeah Bryson I'm right there with you when it comes to Biggio because to me like last year we talked about this a lot but Vladimir Guerrero Jr. moving to first he made a lot of mistakes at first last year but we knew that we just had to give him time he's new to the position he's going to make mistakes there's going to be growing pains and I think it's the same thing with Kevin Biggio clearly he's part of the Blue Jays long-term plans clearly the Blue Jays want him comfortable at third at second at DH at right field, like wherever they want to play and they want him comfortable there. So this is something we're just going to have to get through. And I think Kevin Biggio is a player who's capable of figuring it out, is capable of putting in the work and becoming a good fielding third baseman. But look, he only has 24 games at third base in his career, 25 um, if you count, you know, the past day or two. So I think we just got to give him time to figure it out. And I think that's where the mistakes are coming from. It's going to be frustrating along the way, but you know, that's baseball. We just got to give it time. But when it comes to Bo Bichette, this is someone who's been at shortstop his entire career. Coming up through the minors in 2019, 2020, this year in the majors, he's always been at shortstop. He's always been a shortstop. So that's where my concern is with him. If he's been there his whole career and he's still making these mistakes, this isn't something that's as easy to fix as it is with Biggio. It's not something that's as easy as trying to, like you pointed out, Jacob, trying to get the feet planted and trying to do infield drills. This is something that might be more of a long-term problem. Maybe it's a problem with the strength of his throwing arm. Maybe it's a problem with you know, the velocity thing that balls are coming off the bat, the frequency balls are going to shortstop. This seems like more of a long-term problem with Bo, which is why I'm more open to having him moved over to second, having him swap with uh, Marcus Simeon. I know that the Blue Jays want him at shortstop, obviously, right? They signed Marcus Simeon and moved him to second base because Bo Bichette is ideally their long-term shortstop, but right now it seems like he just doesn't have it. And to me, it's not that big of a problem if you move him to second base. Yes, shortstop is a more valuable position. Yes, it's probably cheaper in the free agent market if you want to go after a second baseman. But if a shortstop is having these problems, why not just move him to, to second base? And to me, it's the fact that he's been doing this his whole career and he's still making mistakes. That's a problem for me. It makes him different than Biggio in my mind, even though I think Biggio's mistakes so far this season have been worse. That's kind of where I stand on it. Also, I just want to point out that when we talk about Bo Bichette, it's not as if there's one thing that I think is is plaguing him right now. You know, we're seeing his throws are off the mark. You know, Vladdy's had to scoop them. There were a couple plays in, in one of the games against the Rays where... Vladdy had to jump off the base. I think the last play to end the game, he had to jump off, tag a guy. But there was a few plays where the ball came out of his glove. And, and those are, I think, some of the problems. But he's also not fielding well. And we can go back to last season in the playoffs. There were a few issues uh, in in uh, the Tropicana field where Bo just wasn't fielding properly. And it, it's a combination of everything. He's not, he's not scooping the ball with his glove. He's not throwing. So it seems to me as if it's... Uh, it's more than just a quick fix of do some infield drills. Obviously, 
I don't think that anything's a quick fix. You, there's still things you got to work through. But I think with Bichette, there's just maybe an underlying cause or an underlying thing here that's saying, you know, maybe he's a good hitter. He, he's an okay shortstop. But I, I think that there is just quite a few too many things uh, that are really hurting his defense right now at short. I just, I look at it and I just, I know. I mean, there's it, there's no other way this is possible that this keeps up going through May to September, which is why I feel like it's not an overreaction. I just feel like that's pretty much bringing people to the edge of their seats in terms of this. And I'm just, I want to see how he reacts in May. I really do. I, I, I want to see if he can recover from this. And I, I, I hope to give him the opportunity. I think they will give him the opportunity to try and do it. It's just that, you know, six errors in a month, that that's as worse as it gets. It is, it, and I don't know how much worse it gets. I'm sure it can. It's going to get much better from here, regardless if you agree with him at shortstop or not. But I want to give him an opportunity and see how he reacts as we head into May, as we head into June, and if it continues, then of course I'll probably agree with both of you guys and maybe consider a swap with Semyon. But right now, I still want to see how he reacts uh, heading into May, which is why shortstop is right now for me the place he deserves to be for now. Yeah, I do think we need more time to figure it out. Yeah. I'm not saying, you know, tomorrow, you know, after having Bo at DH today, when the Blue Jays come back to home and play the Nationals on Tuesday, boom, Bo's going to be the starting second baseman from now on. I'm saying, like, maybe start of June, mid-June, trending towards the All-Star break. That's kind of when I'm thinking, okay, this is getting out of hand. It's going to be frustrating watching it that whole time, but baseball is a game of patience. It's a game of large sample sizes. We do just have to wait it out. But if this type of play continues, if the Blue Jays can't figure out what the problem is, I think a switch has to happen. And, you know, maybe he figures things out this year. But like I said, a lot of people think Bo just isn't a shortstop. So maybe he's fine this year. Maybe they move him over the offseason or in future seasons. Um but it is a concern that we want to be talking about. And a lot of people are bouncing around the name Trevor Story. He's a free agent after this season, I believe. Of course, shortstop for the Rockies. There's Grand Slam today. Fantasy okay. Team. <laughs> I wish I had him on my fantasy team. Uh, there's nothing going on in Colorado right now except for the All-Star game, apparently. So they're probably going to want to move someone who has a lot of value if he doesn't you know, just wait out the season and get signed as a free agent. So that's a possibility, and he's a shortstop, so maybe they sign him over the offseason and Bo moves to second, or maybe they just wait until it, internal options like Austin Martin, um, Jordan Groshans, uh, guys like that, even Kevin Smith, until they come up to the majors. So lots of different solutions to this, or you know, they could just keep Bo at short. He could figure it out. So we'll see what happens. Again, large sample size. We'll be waiting to see whether this pace continues, which, like Bryson said, it's probably not sustainable at this pace. It's just a little frustrating to watch. Um, I do want to say, like, kudos to Vladdy for being as great as he has been at first base. Like, he hasn't made a single error there, I don't think. I think the one error that may have been charged to him may have changed to a throwing error to Biggio. I, I can't remember all the details. I know there was one situation that I think he was initially charged with an error, but I don't think he has an error right now. Anyways, regardless, he's been fantastic in picking the ball and coming off the base when he has to in getting to the ball, basically, when a lot of throwing errors have been made by a lot of different guys on the left side of the infield. There's been a few concerns. I think he's reached his hand into the base path one or two times that could be problematic you know he could end up with a finger injury a hand injury if that happens but 
by and large, he's been fantastic. So um, credit where credit is due to him for being fantastic at first base. Yeah, Vladdy has been tested beyond tested, and he has proven that he can handle it. And I don't think that he was ever a bad first baseman. You know, going back to last season, I mentioned a lot of the plays or the the misplays that he was making were just intuition based. But he can make the basic plays. Seems now that he can also make the good plays. You know, and that is, you know, I'm not worried about Vladdy. Uh, again, he he's been fantastic offensively. He's also been fantastic defensively. There have been many plays where I think he's had to scoop a ball that. You know, some didn't go his way, but some did go his way, and those saved a couple of errors for his teammates and maybe a couple of runs. So, with Vladdy, you know, as we said, you know, this is the year of the Vlad. This he's he's a stud, and I'm just I'm in awe watching him. I, this this gives me, I don't know, maybe I I don't know if I should make this comparison, but I'm kind of getting Edwin Encarnacion vibes, where he he's just mashing the ball, but he's also he's pretty good for his baseman. He's not the type of guy that was put well he was put there initially because he wasn't fit to play third base but he's proving that he can be an above average third baseman at least in my books i'll tell you one thing including the plate it's a much better version a much of more a complete version than edwin Encarnacion. but either way for vladimir guerrero jr a perfect feeling percentage so far and mark you are right they did change the error to cabin biggio so as as it stands he has zero right now and that keeps his infield or sorry, his fielding percentage at a thousand, as well as infield assists at six, and that's that's really it's really good for him so far. And you know, I'm surprised of how good it has been. I'm not gonna lie. I, I, in terms of him at the plate, I think we all expected this to be the breakout year, especially at this pace. No, you know, I love how you know people are pretty much when you look at the past seven days in terms of him cooling off. You know, he only still has an OPS over a thousand, which I kind of, I kind of <laughs> find pretty funny. But either way, leading the way of this team so far. I mean, I don't think there's any other debate right now, and he's getting everyone excited and showing everyone who we are expecting him to be. But you know, the highlight for me as well, the one that kind of completely shocked me was was his play at first base, and you know, he's played 15 games there right now, and it's I I don't really know what else to say other than it's just it's been perfect, and the stats show that. Definitely been a pleasant surprise to start the season. Um, okay, let's turn now to kind of the AL East writ large because there's a lot going on in the AL East that a lot of different people are talking about. The number one thing I'm just going to start things off with just because it makes me happy, the Yankees are doing, you know, for all the frustrations with the Blue Jays to start the season, just multiply it by 10 and you have the Yankees. They seem to be finally cleaning things up. They had a good season, a good series against Cleveland um, for them, and they're four and six in their last ten. But it was rough going for them at the very beginning of the season, and you just love to see it. <laughs> um, again, small sample size. It's April. We're like twenty games into the season. Whatever. All those caveats, but it's enjoyable to watch them doing badly. Again, I don't expect this to continue. I think they are still the same team we thought they were at the start of the season. They're still the team that's going to win the AL East in my mind. My mind has not changed on that. Um, and I still think the Blue Jays are going to be the second place team. I think the Rays are going to come down. I think the the Red Sox are going to come down. But it's interesting to look at how things have shaken out so far this season. Um, I think we're already seeing the Red Sox cool off. They're still 14-9 record, but they've gone 5-5 five and five in their last 10, thanks in part to the Blue Jays taking one of two in that two-game series. So, I think the offense is cooling off. The pitching isn't totally sustainable for them. So I think the Red Sox are going to come back to earth. The Rays are probably going to keep doing what they're doing. They're 500 right now, but um, I don't think 500 is going to be good enough when the Blue Jays and the Yankees, fingers crossed, um, 
get better. Of course, I hope I I don't hope the Yankees get better, but I think they will. Fingers crossed. The Blue Jays get better. I like how you didn't mention the Baltimore Orioles at all there because we <laughs> no one cares. Yeah, about them. I was, I was gonna say they're, that. they're yeah. locked away in the basement of the AL East right now. No offense to Oriole fans, but you know. We we all know what that's like. Uh, but yeah, with the Yankees, they ha- they went on a five game losing streak earlier on in the season. And I mean, hey, one thing I we should mention is with baseball, every game counts. And what we've seen over the last couple of years, especially in a division where you have two, maybe three, maybe four teams competing for a couple of games or within a couple of games for each other, and you know maybe we look back and say if the Blue Jays are only a game or two above or behind the Yankees. I'm not saying we can pinpoint to a specific game, but you know what I mean. Like it's, it, it, the games now are still important. Uh, just right now, it's everyone's like, oh, it's April, blah blah blah. But it's just, I don't know. I I think the Yankees, like you said, they'll rebound. They were a hundred win. They had over a hundred wins in both twenty eighteen and nineteen. Uh, last season they were over five hundred, but sixty games. You know, obviously they're not gonna have a hundred wins in sixty games. Uh, but with the Red Sox, it was interesting. They had a nine game win streak earlier on in the season. And that's not by any means sustainable. I mean, obviously that's not sustainable. But with the Red Sox, I think they just got a little lucky. Not lucky, but they they performed well. But I think that was a bit of an anomaly. And now they're just the Red Sox we've expected them to be. Uh, and hey, it gives the Blue Jays a shot in in the very early on, early AL East. But yeah, the the division's been kind of odd this season. You know, with uh, with the Yankees, they were I believe fifth or fourth at one point, and now it's just everything's kind of falling into pieces or into place. You know, the average is eventually it's swaying towards the middle and where the teams are eventually going to go. But yeah, it's been a weird way for the AL East, especially if you're if you're a fan of those teams, especially if you're watching the Blue Jays, you're like, what is going on here? I thought this offense was supposed to be extremely good. But yeah, it's you know what? It's early. I'm enjoying it. I'll enjoy it all season long. And maybe I can look back on this episode and say, hey, I was right, you know those couple games that the the Yankees lost was enough to to put them one game behind the Blue Jays at the end of the season. Yeah, on the Red Sox, I think the way the Red Sox have started this season is how people expected the Blue Jays to play a crazy good offense, weaker pitching. Just hasn't worked out that way. Yeah, um I'll get to the Red Sox in a sec, but for the for the Yankees, yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone's really I mean, they are traditionally slow starters, which is why I'm not entirely surprised. They're missing some key guys. Luke Voigt has been out since the start, and he's supposed to be back in mid-May. I know they're still waiting on uh, Luis Severino. I think around maybe the summer at the earliest is when they're going to consider him coming back. So they're they're still, you know, I know they're 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 not far off, but I think they are going to be fine, and I think they will win the division. I it's just it's not surprising to me to see them start. I know they have they've been a mess, and I know that people are trying to wonder if Aaron Boone's on the hot seat and whatnot. But I think the Yankees really like Aaron Boone. So I wouldn't be surprised. I would be very surprised if that ever actually came true. And I think, you know, it's just, they're going to be fine with <laughs> pretty much what I'm saying. But, you know, for, for the, for the Rays, I think I don't, I still don't understand or have a clear understanding on how good the Rays will be. The one thing when I look at it now and coming from us as Blue Jays fans, I don't think, I don't, I can't remember the last time where we've said that the Jays have had a better bullpen than the, the Rays. And we were talking, I think on the broadcast, they were talking about that on the weekend of how that actually is true now. And the Rays have just kind of fall in terms of their pitching, which is their strong suit. They just aren't as deep as they once were, but either way, they're still going to be competitive. And the Red Sox is where it gets interesting because I'm not convinced the Red Sox fall off. I consider them 
an 80-85 win team. I think they're going to win around 85 games. I, I like what I've been seeing out of the Red Sox, and I think that they've come out of nowhere. They have great young cores. They have Chris Sale on the way back eventually. Alex Verdugo is someone I've been very impressed with, and either way, I'm just not totally ready to say that. they're. I know they will come down to earth, but I still think they may be... I wouldn't be surprised if they're better than the Rays. I think they're pretty good from what I've seen so far, but I do think the Jays will pass them at some point. I know based on some power rankings to start the year, that wasn't entirely the case with the Rays or the Red Sox, but whatever, we're used to that up here. So, you know, for the Jays, I still think second is realistic for them for sure. And the Rays, I'm still not too sure about, but the Red Sox, I'm not ready to count them out. I, I, I like what I've been seeing out of them so far. And the Yankees, of course, we are we are all expecting them to eventually wake up and I'm, I'm sure they will as we head into the, the warmer months i just hate the red sox i just <laughs> want to see them go down in flames <laughs> nice ballpark Everyone... but uh, yeah, we're Fenway competing park. against them it's beautiful and it, but well, mark you, you you deal with it all the time right yeah you're in that area so, yeah, yeah i live about an hour out of boston so just filled with boston fans and it's horrible thankfully when they don't do well no one cares everyone's just focusing on the patriots who i don't care about so that's what I'm hoping. I hope the Red Sox go down in flames, but as with anything, we will see. Um, the last thing to talk about this week is just kind of a look forward to what's happening with the Blue Jays. Um, of course, this week we know they're going back home. They're facing the Washington Nationals for a two-game set in the middle of the week. They got off days surrounding it. Then they got a weekend series against the Atlanta Braves, um, and that's going to wrap up next Sunday, a week from today. May 2nd, um, and then they go on the road again, and this is where things get tricky. Of course, the Nationals are supposed to be a good team. I'm not so sure they're doing well to start the season. They got Juan Soto. He's out, but the Braves are a good team, and it gets just trickier from there. They play the Oakland Athletics, who are coming off a 13-game winning streak, which they just lost today, I believe. They're going to play the Houston Astros in Houston, which should be a fun series for (laughs) reasons besides what's going on on the field, but the Astros are a good team. And then they're going to go to Atlanta and play the Braves for a three-game set. And then it just keeps going. The Phillies, the Red Sox, we'll see how they're doing then. If they're doing, if they're hot towards the end of May, then the Rays, again, we'll see what's happening there. And then the Yankees, who, I mean, we just talked about all this, but the Yankees also supposed to be a formidable team. Let's see what's happening then. And then Cleveland to end the month of May. So it's an intimidating month coming up. There's a lot of tough opponents on the schedule We'll see how teams are playing. We'll see how things shake out. But thankfully, the Blue Jays have reinforcements coming at the perfect time. George Springer to Oscar Hernandez, hopefully both back by Tuesday. They obviously had Jordan Romano already come back. Tyler Chatwood already come back. So a few pieces trickling in here and there. We're going to get the big ones in that series against the Nationals, but they desperately need it um, because of the very, very hard schedule they have ahead. It should be an interesting game in uh, in Houston if Springer's there. That'll yeah. That'll be really interesting. I'm still obviously I'm a little bit biased towards Springer now that he is a Blue Jay, but I'm interested to see how the Yankee fans will treat him. Kind of have an idea of what that'll be like, but yeah, reinforcements couldn't be coming at a better time for the Blue Jays. Uh, as you said, Oakland's been fantastic after having a bad start to the season. Uh, but then it, it you know it doesn't get easy. You know the Rays, as we've just said, they're not a terrible team. Uh, the Yankees doing better. Cleveland uh they're all all right you know so it's just it's it'll be a tough week for the for a tough month for the Blue Jays as I should say uh it's let's pray that it, it goes the way that we think it will and I think the Blue Jays have been a better team than they were earlier on in the season so if 
if Ryu is able to, to not miss a start or miss one start at most, maybe they get Pearson back by the end of the month. Not sure. Uh, but as they start to get guys back, uh, th this could be a fun month. You know, obviously, I think th if you're a Blue Jay right now, you're looking at this month and this schedule and saying, hey, why can't we win most of these games? You know, be over 500 at least. You know, I think that would be the perfect challenge for them, especially considering that they're getting all these guys that are cornerstones of this team and will be cornerstones for a long time. They're they're hopefully the healthy Blue Jays are able to tackle this this tough schedule uh, with a bit of optimism. I, I think they do have a shot at be at being over 500. I think so. If we're going to go under the assumption by the end of May that the Yankees are going to be better, I'm going to go under the assumption that the Jays are going to heat up by then as well. George Springer, Teoscar Hernandez on the way back this week should be sparks of this lineup. I'm not saying it's going to completely change the results uh, overnight, but I think it's going to be on the right path. And I by by mid-May, I, I don't see why this team can't be, I guess, offensively back to what we were predicting them to be and what we were expecting them to be. But either way, some tough opponents, Mark. You just mentioned the entire month. Oakland, what was it, a 13-game winning streak? That's something to keep an eye on. Kind of Moneyball vibes. But anyways, uh, <laughs> Houston as well. I, I like, I'm like. i always interested to see the Astros now. So, I mean, no matter what it is, I'm always intrigued, even if it's in Houston. That'll be bittersweet for uh, George Spring to return there. So I'm sure he'll enjoy that weekend. But either way, a lot of divisional matchups. You know, we already went over this. But uh, I'm expecting a competitive month of May where the Jays go over 500. And a fun fact is that last season around this time, uh, they never, I, th I think it was 11 and 11, the Jays finally got back to 500. And ever since that, they never looked back. And the Jays are now one game below 500. I'm just saying, if Tuesday they reach 500, I don't see why they can't repeat what they did last year and just look, look completely by the 500 mark and enter, I guess, competing at the top of the division with teams like the Yankees. I'll leave it at that. You think Springer gives uh, jo uh, Max Scherzer a warm welcome to Dunedin on Tuesday? Should oh, be interesting. I hope so. <laughs> is Scherzer starting on Tuesday? I believe it is he Tuesday. Is. Yeah. Wow, Mad Max. <laughs> that should be fun. Even though he's pitching against the Blue Jays, he gotta. I mean, he's absolutely like, first ballot Hall of Famer. You gotta be. It's always entertaining to watch him pitch, but I think May might be the hardest month for the Blue Jays on the schedule. Um. Because, you know, they don't have any games, just they don't have any games against Baltimore or Seattle. So automatically that makes it a tough month because you go to June, you have a couple games against Miami, you have a, a couple series against Baltimore, and then you start getting into Seattle and then July as well, Baltimore. A um, couple games against the Mets, Red Sox could be tough, but I think this may be the toughest month for the Blue Jays. So we'll see how it goes. I think May is traditionally a good month for Toronto teams. They usually heat up around this time, so we'll see how it goes. But yes, that series in Houston, it's going to be entertaining. I think we're all going to be having fun with that. Um, long overdue. Can I just mention quickly, too, is you were talking about Seattle, and the first thing that came to my mind was the Rogers Center West. The borders are closed. That's going to be a very, very weird sighting when there's not. it won't be packed the Blue Jays fans. But, oh well, we're not playing in Toronto. so Hopefully some fans... Like just live in Seattle, you know. People, yeah, for you know, sure. Americans who just like decide that Seattle is horrible and they just, you know, I come over so. to the hope Blue Jays because hope there's fans over there. Man, to be a Seattle fan, remember their GM or president over the winter with his. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, that's getting off topic. Anyways, <laughs> we're looking forward to another month of Blue Jay baseball. We're only one month into the season, almost. We got a long way to go. Should be a fun ride. We'll wrap things up there. Thank you to everyone who listened or watched. 
today's episode. Again, you can watch episodes. I'm going to plug it relentlessly. We're on YouTube now. Section 138 of Toronto Blue Jays podcast. You can subscribe. We're doing live live streams on our YouTube, on our socials as, as well, at Section 138 Pod. We're on Instagram and Twitter. We did one or two this week. We had good conversations, so make sure to follow there to stay up to date with everything we're doing. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash section138pod. Great benefits. You can join our Discord. Um, you can choose the intro and outro music to the podcast. Some super fun stuff there. Um, I think that's what all we have to plug. Same stuff as Jacob's, always. Jacob's bloopers. Yes. Yes. If you sub- if you subscribe to the Patreon, you get access to... You get access to all our bloopers, or you can just watch the live stream on our YouTube that Jacob messed up. Anyways, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for listening. We will catch you next time.